So it's a combination of corporate journalist plus putting a marketing lens on it to make sure that that's the story that will drive us the right outcome. The way we work on stories is a very fine balance between exciting your mind and also providing a route to your heart to want to change. 90% of my work is off stage. It's in the darkness of the boardroom where the boss looks at the watch and says, you got five minutes, tell me why should I do this? Messaging, there is no character and there is no real choice and there are no consequences. I challenge anyone who calls messaging a story. A messaging is not a story. I learned two things. I can't establish the value of storytelling until I demonstrate storytelling. Two, people are most influenced by people like them. So I'd recommend Age of Agile by Steve Denning. I would recommend Mastery by Robert Greene. Marketers are Storytellers by Seth Godin. And Brand Story by Donna Miller. Welcome everybody to Recast Season 2. I'm back again with a very interesting episode today. I have a guest who spent, what, about 13 to 14 years in, you know, her corporate life doing various roles, including advertising. And then, you know, she quit all of that, you know, to start her story business. Now, if I give an introduction, probably I'll make her sound boring because, you know, she's a storyteller. So why don't we invite her immediately and and sort of, you know, let her actually tell her story to our audience. Welcome to my show, Anjali. Thank you. And hello to everyone listening in. Thank you so much for coming on Recast. Why don't you tell me your story? I think the business you are in sort of, you know, makes me quite envious. Even I want to tell stories the entire day for business about myself, about people that I meet. So how interesting work you are doing. Why don't you, you know, just give a quick background as to, you know, how did you even think about starting this venture? And then, you know, what sort of really led you to starting your story business? Yeah, so thank you, Saurabh, you know, for having me on the show. And let me start by telling you the toughest thing for somebody who works in the storytelling practice is to tell their own story because they just love telling other stories. That's the job they do, right? And they tell stories about platforms and businesses and products and services and sometimes also of the individuals who work in these businesses. But rarely does the spotlight kind of shift on us. And when it does, we're slightly awkward about it. But since you ask, my story is like many other people's story. I'm born and brought up in India. I left India when I was only about 20 years old. I came to Singapore for, to work for one of the leading airline brands. I'm sure many people can guess which airline brand would you work for when you come to Singapore. And whilst I was flying, I also did my MBA and I'd had enough of being a trolley dolly and I wanted to get back into the corporate world. So I started working in the corporate life, worked here, worked in Australia, came back to Singapore in the year 2010 and found myself at a phase and a stage of a career where I questioned more than it is acceptable in a corporate environment. So what does that mean? What that means is you're looking at a campaign and people will say, you suggest an idea and somebody would say, well, we can't really do this because a brand guardian wouldn't allow it. So you turn around and say, like, this brand guardian seems to be the roadblock all the time. I want to talk to this brand guardian and really get over this hoop. And people would turn around and tell you brand guardian is actually a book, which is a guideline of what you can and can't do. 
and I would just roll my eyes because the brand guardian had been written five to six years ago. The world moved on. I just found that frustrating in those moments. And in fact, a client, a very big oil and gas company client, she and I were just having a coffee and she said to me, why don't you try storytelling? <laughs> and I was like, what is that storytelling? Like I could do it as a hobby, but what is that? She's like, no, you're a really good storyteller. And this was in 2011. Um, and I started to kind of really look online and very few people were doing it in a corporate space. So there's a lot of performance art storytellers, a lot of storytellers from writing a book is storytelling, making a movie is storytelling, but the use of stories in a corporate space was kind of very rare at that time. But I got intrigued, interested, and just went after it. And here I am today running a story practice called Narrative, the Business of Stories. And it's been a wonderful, wonderful ride for me. I've learned a lot and helped a lot of clients tell their story. That's very interesting. What I know about stories is that our stories are all about creating and amplifying a need gap or a myth, right? So I think I was speaking to Roshan in like episode two, and he's actually a master storyteller. And I asked him that, you know, what's, what's your way of storytelling? And he'll say, I'll identify the need gap. And, you know, then I'll just blow it out of proportion. I'll sort of, you know, make it so big that people sort of, you know, really pay that kind of attention to it. So I think you spoke about something very interesting that you do storytelling for the corporates. And I think within corporates, people want results. Within corporates, people want outcomes that are more tangible. Whereas I think the whole storytelling business is all about amplifying a need gap and probably also, you know, sort of creating a myth around that particular product or service. How do you bring these two things together when you do corporate storytelling? And just sort of walk us through the whole journey. I mean, last seven years, have you seen that the corporate world has sort of really taken a note of what we call as storytelling? Yeah, yeah. So I kind of find this question very interesting because there is absolutely nothing mythical, fictional about the work that I do. Absolutely nothing. So there's no amplification. There is no myths, no character building, no stuff like that at all. So the best way, and I've given this a lot of thought because, you know, I'd find myself in a dinner party and uh, people would say, what do you do? And I really refrain from saying corporate storytelling because the moment you add the word storytelling, everyone thinks, I do great storytelling. I know how to do storytelling. Yes, of course, we're all born storytellers, but the world of corporate kind of takes a very different stance. So the best way to explain what I do is probably you what when we say corporate storytelling what we mean is corporate journalism right it's a little bit like being a corporate journalist but the only difference between journalist and a corporate storyteller is this the commonality is they all find a story before they tell a story so we've got to find one uh, we are not sitting in a boardroom and using our imagination and our creativity and coming up with plots, characters, and the story that we can just engulf everyone in. That's not the job. We are more like on the ground hunting, finding the truth. Now, journalists find a story and then they tell a story. The difference between us and them is once we find the story, we put a lens of a marketer on it. We then look at how do I now shape this story? So that it is the story that wants to be, that people want to hear. So unlike, you know, in journalism, you just want to tell the truth and that's it. That's where you stop. You don't care about whether people would like it or not like it. But in corporate, we are very mindful of the fact 
whether this is the story people want to hear. Will we drive results with it or no? So it's a combination of corporate journalist plus putting a marketing lens on it to make sure that that's the story that will drive us the right outcome. If we were just a journalist, we would probably really go the wrong way because we would just tell the truth and truth alone is not going to get us anywhere. We can't lie, but we have to be able to shape the story correctly, which is what marketers do. They tell you the story that you want to hear, but they don't really tell a good story. So because they don't make the effort to find a good story, they just do corporate messaging. So that's probably the way to kind of define it. I think right before this call, uh, you know, we were also discussing that you've touched most of the large Fortune 500 brands, including, I think, the big technology companies. What you just explained, can you just help our audience with an example as to, you know, what that story process could be and how you add a marketeer's lens and, you know, how you understand, you know, how that whole message would land? Can you just help us with an example? People would appreciate that a lot more. Yeah, most definitely. So I'll take an example which is uh, relevant to the world right now, right? So artificial intelligence is very much in conversation right now. And it is also one of the large projects that I'm working on right now. So a company, a technology company, a semiconductor company decides that they are going to invest $27 million in making sure that their entire workforce learns how to run an artificial intelligence project right now, right? So it doesn't matter whether you are technology team or you're not a technology team, you could be human resources, you could be marketing, you could be sales, you could be whatever. You have to have an artificial intelligence-led project. Now, when you tell this to someone who does HR and does marketing, they will obviously freak out. Like, I don't have the skills. I don't know what it means. It's a black box. How do I even try to kind of get into it? Now, This company would come to me and say to me, I know I want to spend this much money in making sure all the team members increase productivity, become more efficient, have new business model generations, and do value-added work versus of repetitive, boring tasks through artificial intelligence. But I have all these things that people are just sitting down there and thinking, I don't know how to do this. This is a company thing. Company wants to make more money. That's why they're doing this. How do I tell the story to get them all on board? Now, my first job will be to actually be the corporate journalist. I would actually find what is going on. I'm not going to believe what the stakeholders tell me in just a conversation, that this is what people are thinking. I'm going to, to run through a process where through several quality story eliciting questions, I will find out what exactly is going through people's mind. So. There are a number of times I'm totally surprised. What I was told in the briefing is not what people are feeling. People are feeling completely different. So, for example, in this case, people were like, I buy AI is important. COVID has changed my mind completely. I don't need to be sold AI solutions. I buy that. That's not my issue. My issue is how am I going to do it? I'm not interested in the why. I'm interested in the how. Then that completely changes my narrative. So first I find, okay, so I find the stories. I find the real problem. The real problem is the how. And then I'm going to go and look for exactly where in their lives, in their day-to-day lives, they are feeling the gap, right? So for example, let me give an example of a human resource professional. So in the past, you want to apply for a job, most likely you will find the job in a newspaper posting. 
and you would apply to the company and a human resource professional will call you and the, they would be your first impression for the company. These days, you don't wait for the weekend newspaper for the job. You have LinkedIn, you have forums, you have listings, you can apply from there, which has obviously increased the number of CVs that the human resource professional gets. Now, the human resources professionals are not interviewing people and being the first point of contact. They are CV sorters. They look at the CV and they sort CVs and they go, this one, you interview this one, you interview that one. Now, that story I had to find before I could tell the HR person that you have become literally a CV sorter and AI can be a solution for you to get out of that. Now, let me tell you how. So it's the matter of finding the real problem through story eliciting questions. Then finding stories of their life where the shift will happen through the solution that we are going to sell to them. And then making them go and say one very simple thing, Saurabh, AI is here for me. Along with the company growth is my growth. I want to be the workforce of the future and I will jump on it. That's the shift we want to create. Right. So I think when you do your story, for you, is this a highly creative process or is this a very scientific process? Because I think you are in a corporate world where everybody can be won by rationality, but you know that we as humans, I think, are very irrational, right? So, I mean, would you uh, weave a lot of emotions into your story through words and through phrases or would you want to keep it something very simple, non-complicated and just sort of tell and help people in just telling them, you know, what they really need to do. Yeah. So if I did not have emotion, there will be no difference between me and a PR company. PR people go out for messaging. Uh, <laughs> You've just given me the headline. <laughs> when you ask PR people, they go for messaging. I am True. interested in getting the message, but then I'm also interested in getting with what's happening with Suling on the factory floor, who's been working there for 10 years. I'm also interested in knowing with what's happening with Samantha, who works in the HR. I want to be able to tell the story of the feeling of the people behind those messages. So absolutely, my, the story, the way we work on stories is a very fine balance between exciting your mind and also providing a route to your heart to want to change. So it is a very good balance. Let's go back to the AI example, right? When we talk about, when we built the AI story, we started off with the, the president of the company telling a story about a time where he was never the, he runs a technology company and he admits to people about the fact that, you know, in that year, I got an email that you can now have internet banking. And I ignored it for a long time because, you know, I was really comfortable and I was in love with signing checkbooks. You know, I used to love my signatures. So I signed and signed and signed. So we go through lots of these emotional stories. And then, you know, a story about his son making fun of him and saying, if you need to find an app, why are you actually not telling Siri to find that app on your phone? Why are you going and looking on your phone? And he goes, well, I'm meant to be running a really advanced technology company. You 15 year old is telling. So we've build a lot of these emotional, and when I say emotional, not just grief, disappointment, anxiety, fear, it's a fine balance of the entire ecosystem of emotion, humor, disappointment, anxiety. I want to be able to take you through a ride. I don't want to just do rational, but I can't miss rational also. So I'm always thinking of going both places, exciting your mind 
and providing a route to your heart to want to change. So I think it sort of looks like that you have a very human approach to solving those business problems or challenges or opportunities as and when, you know, they are presented to you. I also remember, you know, sort of speaking to you briefly before our call, and you said that I don't believe in any kind of story arcs. There are a few out there and, you know, you can talk about the hook, you can talk about, you know, the protagonist, you can talk about, you know, creating tension, because I think that's how, you know, sort of storytelling is taught in workshops and in businesses. You have a very fluid way, you know, to approach it. So you know, do you have your own principles that you keep in mind when you're approaching a problem or an opportunity? Yeah. So, you know, Saurabh, for me, there are guiding principles, absolutely. So this morning at seven o'clock, I was working on a really large uh, morning, seven o'clock, working with a beer company. How fun was that? <laughs> and and it's not even Friday. <laughs> it's not even Friday. Thank God we were not talking about the product, but we were talking about the digital transformation strategy of the company. So, you know, COVID has obviously impacted a lot of the bar business and really changed the e-commerce business uh, for these brands. And so in terms of your question, for what would be my guiding principle? My guiding principle would be something like this, right? So if the leader sort of says in the strategy, the leader says that we want to build a, one of the pillars of the strategy is to have a very strong cybersecurity for the business in 2021, we're going to stay focused on that. That can be your aspiration, but I want to hear a particular moment, a particular time where people will get chills if you don't explain to them what happened when cybersecurity was not tight, what happened when things went wrong. So they are going to have to, so that's corporate journalism. They'll say, okay, so in the year 2021, at the start of the year, we all got this message, orange alert, everybody come to the office, leadership come to the team, come to the office. We all sat around the boardroom. There was a big disaster in the company and our, there was a data breach. And I, so my guiding principle is find the real problem, find that moment that can pivot the direction that you want to. So my guiding principle is first finding that moment that can actually help us tell the need we are trying to fulfill. No, no makeup, no makeup stuff, real moments. Once you've found the real moment, then of course I help them shape the real moment correctly. Now, what does that shape the real moment correctly? I can find a real moment, but I can do a very pathetic job of telling it. So my principle of telling that would be, I would say, please, I constantly say to my clients, oh no, you're not activating my visualization. You're not activating my visualization. They constantly say, what the hell do you mean by that? So what I mean by that is take me to that moment. Take me to that moment. And the way to take me to that moment would be things like, we remember sitting across in the boardroom and all literally just in being in this position and trying to figure out how do we get ourselves out of this mess. So I have principles and ways to take the listener into that moment. And those are very science-driven principles. So I have certain principles on which I work. I will never let my clients get out and tell a story until we have found something worth telling, then when we have found it, we have shaped it in a way that we have a really good chance with science-based principles, really making sure our audiences are engaged, they're feeling it, they're understanding it, and they're just about to say, I'm with you, I get it. Oh, interesting. So say, for example, I think in a corporate, there are different teams, right? And you know, there are different team leads and department heads there is a strategist 
whose job is to keep pivoting and, you know, keep showing the newer direction or, you know, keep solidifying, you know, actually the current direction for the business. Then there are these consumer insights functions because they would really put the consumer voice on table for you, right? And then, you know, there is a chief marketing officer who's responsible for, you know, really taking the brand and its story out to those consumers based on, you know, what the consumer insight is saying and, you know, what the strategist is doing. And then, of course, I think there are PR agencies who would help you to broadcast your message. I think what you've just explained in terms of your role, it looks like that you are in there to take all these four jobs. So uh, <laughs> so whose job is at stake if there are more Anjali's in the corporate world? Anybody who communicates really, Saurabh, really. I mean, that's as simple as you can get to. So basically, the way I look at it is that we spend so much time in a corporate setting talking ineffectively, not because people wake up in the morning and say, let's make today the day to talk ineffectively. They are just not aware of this amazing thing called storytelling because they have an entrenched view associated with it. They think storytelling is making stuff up or it is some kind of fluffy picture things. It's more like movie. It's more like emotional. What did this, what kind of is the real culprit behind this? It's the stage storytelling that we witness all the time. And that made people feel that it is that sort of storytelling. 90% of my work is off stage. It's in the darkness of the boardroom where the boss looks at the watch and says, you got five minutes. Tell me why should I do this? 90% of my work is that sort of work. It's off stage work. But because we have seen so much stage work and storytelling, a TED Talk, that that place has storytelling role. Granted, it's just because that's the only thing we see in the public eye. Nobody records a boardroom conversation and puts it on a YouTube platform. So we're never going to know. And I think the answer to your question is anybody who communicates needs to get better at storytelling. People think messaging is storytelling. The definition of storytelling is a character finds himself or herself in a certain situation, makes choices, and as a result, bears the consequences, good or bad. In messaging, there is no character and there is no real choice and there are no consequences. I challenge anyone who calls messaging a story. A messaging is not a story. That's a very, very interesting uh, take just in terms of how you differentiate between uh, storytelling and just, you know, sort of writing simple plain messages. My next question to you is very interesting. When a storyteller goes into a corporate boardroom to offer her services, what kind of stories do you tell that inspire C-suite or, you know, senior leaders to say, I want you by my side so that, you know, you can help me craft that perfect story? How is a typical pitch day for you when you're called into the room? You know, do people innately understand the importance of storytelling or, you know, you first have to also coach them on the category and, you know, what you really do, what stories are, you know, sort of really, really, you know, strip those myths down one by one and then say, hey, you know, this is how I can sort of help you. Walk me through and, you know, sort of help my audience also visualize a typical pitch day for a storyteller. Yeah. Okay. So sorry, you've just made me realize I haven't pitched in a long, long time. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't pitched in such a long time. Thank you, God. <laughs> 
Okay, but so you're just called in and you're offered like a million dollars and say, Anjali, just do this for me. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, you know, I mean that that would be bragging, and uh, you know, that's that's not the truth. Uh, the truth is that a large part of our clientele is repeat clientele, so they have experienced what we do, and even the ones who come new come from a very strong reference from someone else we have worked with. So I actually didn't even think of it, but. To be honest, we haven't pitched in a long time. I haven't done a proposal in a long, long time. But I do want to go back to my early days of boardroom conversations, right? So there's this one particular moment I will never forget, which is, and I'm going to name the company, and I'm going to not name the gentleman, but I'll name his title. I'll tell, I'll share his title. So this is the president of Bosch, okay? And the year is 2013. And the marketing team of Bosch is very uh, confident that they want me to come and work on storytelling with their marketing folks. We go through a few rounds of discussions, et cetera, et cetera. Everything is sorted. And then I get a call from the marketing head. Can you please come down and just show your face to the president? It's a formality. He just wants to know who's coming and what we are doing and stuff like that. Um, and I said, yeah, sure, no problem. So I go to the meeting and I'm sitting outside and then his PA tells me that he's double booked, so he can't see you today. And I jokingly said, uh, okay, the next time if he wants to see me, he better invite me for lunch. I'm not coming otherwise. But he, so he, that's what he does. You know, his PA calls me again and he says that he wants you to come over for lunch and have a meeting with you. So I walk into this meeting. This lunch is organized in the boardroom, or his own office boardroom. And the first thing he says to me is, tell me about your approach. How do you do it? So I take him through the structured approach that I have. And his comment to me is, Saurabh, you are going to completely strip my marketing team of creativity because you're making them so limited by the structure that you are presenting. And in my head in that moment, I thought the only way to shift the mindset of this person is to tell him a story in this moment because I can't give the value of storytelling by telling you the points on storytelling. You have to experience it to know what it is like. It's a bit like, I tell you, go watch this movie. It is cutting edge. The screenwriting is amazing. You're not going to be able to tell that until you actually go and see that, right? So I thought, okay, this project looks like it's gone because that's what he thinks. But I'll make sure that before I leave the room, I change his mind about storytelling. So rather than winning the project, my goal in that meeting became that I'll change his mind and I'm going to at least attempt it. So I turned around and I said to him, so when was the last time you spoke to your team? He says, this morning. I said, can you share with me? Where was it? He says, oh, in our auditorium here. I said, okay, so what were you talking about? I was sharing the results. Okay, so tell me the first line you said to the team. He said to me, the first line I said to the team was, good morning team, I'm so excited to be here. And I said, oh, that was a terrible start. They already know it's good morning. And they already know as a president of the company, you are very excited to be here. Let me tell you what another leader like you who knows how to storytell would do. And in that moment, then I share with him somebody else that I have worked with, how he or she did it. At the end of that demonstration, so I got off my chair and literally did the whole act of walking up on the stage and actually told him the story. When I told him that story, he said to me, come have a seat. Let's continue the lunch. And he then talked to me about everything else, not about the project. And the project went ahead. What did I learn from that situation? I learned two things. I can't establish the value of storytelling until I demonstrate storytelling. Two, people are most influenced by people like them. 
So I have to tell him about another leader who benefited immensely by a storytelling approach. And when he experienced that storytelling, he himself went around and said, gosh, I've never learned how to do something like that. That sounds really amazing. So that the process is tell as many stories as you possibly can of people like the kind of people you're talking to. And then success in a pitching environment is much closer to you. Very interesting. I think a lot of stories that I've heard in this session from you required that person to put himself or herself out to the audience, be authentic, sort of talk about a story or, a, or an anecdote from their personal or their professional lives. And I've seen that, I think, in a typical corporate setting, people are quite stiff. They don't want to share the personal side with the audience. They will hold themselves back just because, you know, A, they don't feel comfortable, B, you know, they don't have that kind of rapport, or there is this a thought in their mind that they just can get ridiculed just for doing this. How do you help individuals like these who have a certain a mindset that, you know, I shouldn't really, you know, put myself out completely because, you know, then they just might be stripped of their position and, you know, they can come across as very real human beings, you know, but people want to be in their uh, shell sort of projecting a particular kind of image. So would you tailor that approach to that person's style? Or would you say, hey, you have to sort of really do this even if you're not comfortable? And have you had any such situations? Do you have any stories around this? Yeah, of course. So uh, so again, I just, you know, when you ask me a question, all these people's faces come in front of me. That one had that and that one had that and that one had that. Like, tick, 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 like a collage and is being formed in front of my face. So it's a misconception that when you become a storyteller in a corporate world, you only tell personal narratives, right? It's a misconception. It's a personal narratives, according to me, are a trap, right? Now, I could tell you a personal narrative about where I come from, who I am, and all, you know, my life and all. I actually, to be very honest with you, there are only very few scenarios or circumstances where I advocate that style of storytelling. I'm actually not, mostly not interested in that type of storytelling. Now, what am I interested in is looking at the situation, looking at what's going on and things, it's uh, finding stories that are relevant to that situation. So for example, a CEO tells a story about going to India early 2017 and sitting in a presentation where someone says to the CEO, a startup company says to the CEO that if you use this tool, this is an AI-led tool, you can tell in the next one month who are the people who are going to resign from the company. It can predict that, right? That's not a personal story, but it is a personal experience. So I am more interested in and how that CEO felt that time. That CEO felt that is a whole lot of rubbish. You can have an algorithm for productivity and efficiency, but you can't have technology take over intelligence. They cannot be intelligence. So this CEO tells that story. Now, that's got nothing to do with him or his life. It's just his experience that he's using to be able to tell a story. Or a CEO tells a story about being in an organization and actually dealing with cybersecurity attack and what happened in that moment. Or a CEO being in a situation where the CEO is asked to launch work from home in the next two hours. Right. So those are not really personal stories, but business relevant stories. So I'm a huge fan of those. Right. You don't find resistance from people in those because those are very objective stories about their business messaging. Now, 
if you find resistance in those business related narratives ever mostly that is a result of lack of confidence in people not having the skill to tell it well it's not the will the will exists it's the skill that lacks so when we share with them the skill they actually love it they like it because they know how they can take a moment and shape it into a good story and tell it so the whole vulnerability factor that we talk about with personal stories it's only kind of two three places where we actually use that in a business setting mostly we are looking for you to be a corporate journalist a journalist is not telling stories about where i was born and what happened to my mom and what happened to my dad and how i didn't have money to give him none of that stuff happens with a journalist a journalist collects stories and tells you what happened so i'm wanting my clients to become like journalists and tell people what happened hmm very interesting can stories be measured the result of the stories can be measured so you know so i assume your question is can you measure the impact of the story or how good is the story can you measure that right that's right so a good story is only as good as the in a corporate setting as the result it drives right like what is the result it drives now when i first started i was really terrible at this i wasn't sure how to attach results to the stories but over the years i have learned how to be very specific about measuring the result of the stories so let me give you an example i will rarely help design a story that does not have a specific action attached to it right at the end which will give me a specific result numerically or in some other way let's go back to the ai project once we finished telling the ai project story we had a discovery week for the team members 1000 over people in which we were going to share with them we had created various experiences for them to come and learn about ai if you're close to a corporate setup you'd know we're always begging i mean it's a very different kind of corporate setup now than it used to be we're begging people please come and learn about ai please please i wish i belonged to the corporate world when this all used to happen people are creating experiences creating learning opportunities but there's a huge resistance from people to want to invest time in those sorts of things so what we did was we had a very clear a guideline the guideline was as soon as we finish the ceo finishes telling the story the link goes to people and people have to register we had a goal in mind as to we want x number of registrations as a result of this story so i have become very particular about being very specific about the result that i want to draw out of the story and how i'm going to measure it because it is important in a corporate setup you can't tell stories just to as a feel good factor if you have what is inspiration inspiration is moving people into doing things physically literally getting up doing things and if your story is powerful enough to do that then you should be able to measure an action that got taken after that that's great i think we've learned a lot about you know what you do how you do it who has inspired you the most one storyteller that you follow or five storytellers that you follow and also help our audience with two or three or four of your favorite books that you know one can sort of really take away and say hey you know sort of actually let me read this to also you know start my own journey of becoming a storyteller yeah so you know i don't i'll talk about storytellers right like who has inspired me you know i'm a huge fan of 
learning from people say, you know, you need to have mentors. And I think mentor, mentee, that kind of a stuff is just overrated. I'm a huge fan of learning from heroes, right? Who are heroes? So heroes are people who live their life in public. You can read about them. You can watch their videos. You can read their articles. And I think one of my hero who I have learned a lot from is Indra Nui, the ex-CEO of PepsiCo. And the reason why I've... So you also have to find someone who's suitable to you, right? So for me, she it works. It works because she's that rare combination of a woman who's led the business successfully for a long time, uh, managed to bring up two daughters, <laughs> kept her marriage going, comes from Asian values. A lot of the times, she's a great storyteller, by the way. And I must also tell the audience, a little known fact about her is that in her entire life, she has never failed anything except a communications course. She failed a communications because she said when she first went to Yale to study, she failed that course because she just was not good at communication. And, you know, her professors then really taught her how to be good at it. So... I have learned a lot about Asian model of parenting from her. I've learned a lot about how when people say, tell a story in one minute, tell a story in one minute. If you read what she says, she says, I ran my sales meeting for two hours. I think she's massively inspirational for me because there's a lot of resonance. We're Asians. We have kids. We have families. And we want to be successful at work as well. And how do you do that? So you can learn a lot about storytelling by watching her. Um, I think she's truly inspirational. Any favorite books? Yeah. So the strange thing is that I have learned more about storytelling by actually not reading storytelling books. So I think one of the mistakes people make is they go insights into your subject. And I will come to the book titles. But insight into your subjects, new insights don't come from reading about the same thing that you work in. So if you are a storytelling practitioner, you have to read lots of other varieties because that's when the cross-pollination of ideas takes place. And you're able to bring a little bit of this from a little bit of that. So I'll name some books that have been hugely helpful for me. So I'll name two storytelling books that I think everybody should read. I think you must read this book by Seth Godin called All Marketers Lie Are Liars. Um, you know, and then he made the title change the title to All Marketers Are Storytellers. The most wonderful thing about that book is it teaches you to understand human beings. It's not a book on storytelling. It's a book on understanding human beings because then you can tell the right story. You will be challenged to tell a story in a corporate setting after you've read his book because you will understand humans so well, the whole results proposition in a business setting will not work for you. So you're going to have to find how to figure that part out. But you really learn to understand people by reading that book. The second book, I would say, if you are someone who kind of is into writing and and getting your copy of the website and articles and all that sort of right brand story by donald miller is really good those are the two storytelling books i would say but otherwise the books that have changed my life and helped me in the work that i do would be mastery from by robert green and i'm just kind of shifting my head like that the age of agile by steve denning so i'd recommend age of agile by steve denning i would recommend mastery by robert green Marketers are Storytellers by Seth Gordon and Brand Story by Donald Miller. Those are the, probably the books that I would recommend. That's lovely. I think that's a lot for the readers and even, even the audience to sort of take away from this interview. I just wish to go on and on. I think you've given us so many 
different anecdotes and stories. And I think you've clarified, you know, so many of actually questions that I had in mind, difference between a message and a story. And I think the big key takeaway for me that, you know, I think all good storytellers like yours, I think are very interdisciplinary. I think, you know, you sort of, you know, work horizontally across the axis rather than sort of, you know, going deep. There's nothing wrong in going deep and, you know, achieving that kind of mastery as well. But I think more experiences that you soak in, you know, across different disciplines, I think, you know, you can add new flavors, you know, to your story. Anjali, I think uh, I had a fantastic session with you. I'm surely feeling inspired. We are sort of recording this on a weekday, late in the evening, but I think that that sort of, you know, charges me up for rest of the week. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for being on Recast. And I just wish that, you know, you just keep telling stories and, you know, sort of keep creating and, you know, just sort of, you know, keep impacting businesses and, you know, corporate world in a positive way. Saurabh, you are a fantastic host. The quality of your questions are really good. And I'm so grateful that, you know, we managed to do this because you have a keen interest in wanting to understand the subject. So my my content is only as good as question you ask. I think you ask fabulous questions. And if it has helped your uh, following of the podcast, I'm grateful for the opportunity. Uh, thank you very much. I had a lovely time. Being on a podcast is always a little test for me. Do I really know my subject or I'm just fuffing around? <laughs> <laughs> so thank you. <laughs> thank you so much, Anjali. Not thank you for pleasure. being on the show. Thank you. You've been listening to Recast with me, Saurabh Sardana. If you like what you heard, subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Don't forget to leave a review and rating on your favorite episode. Also, if you want to chat with me, connect with me on LinkedIn or Twitter.